Thank you very much. Um, I actually have to do a bit of a disclaimer linked to what Neil just said. Uh, we studied this passage in our house group on Wednesdays a few weeks ago, and I've stolen quite a lot of what we discussed then. So if you're in our group and you're here and you hear something and you're like, I said that, you did. I stole it, and now it's in my talk. So thank you very much. Um, so I'm Anna. I am married to Pete, who's over there. And yeah, we've been part of this church for three years, and we love it. We absolutely love it. Um, so we're so privileged to be able to call this church our home. Um, and this is the first time I've spoken at the front, although I have to confess it's not the first time I've been asked. Um, the first time I was asked, my response was pretty swift and short and said, no, thank you, I don't want to. Um, but alas, God has asked again and now I'm here. So I'm going to be talking today about a parable that Jesus told in Luke 15. So if you have a Bible, um, get that out, open it up to Luke 15, and we're going to be reading verses 1 to 7, and it should also magically appear behind me. Luke 15, 1 to 7. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear him, that is Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now also in our house group we always read the Bible bit twice because that's the most important bit. So we're going to I'm just going to read it again. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So, some context. Who are these people involved in this story? So, we have the tax collectors and the sinners. The tax collectors weren't very liked, to put it mildly. Okay, so the tax collectors were local people who were collaborating and working with the oppressors. So um, the Romans were the enemy. They were the oppressors. And the tax collectors were collecting taxes to send to Rome. So one reason why people wouldn't like them. Second reason is they had a contract with Rome to send a certain amount of money to Rome, but they could tax the people anything they wanted and just keep the rest. So they really weren't liked. And if you imagine the sorts of people who would sign up to be tax collectors, they're probably not what we would call nice people, okay? 
They're going to be quite greedy, quite selfish, probably pretty dishonest. And they're putting their own greed and wealth above other people's needs and over fairness and over their country. So they weren't really liked. They were rich, very rich, but they were very much at the edge of society and they were seen as the worst of the worst, okay, tax collectors. And then you have the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were the best of the best. They were respected. They followed God's law. They taught God's law. They often added to God's law. But they, they were the creme de la creme. They were the ones that people looked up to. Although, you can see straight away in this, it's the tax collectors who are gathering around Jesus. They have a hunger in them. They know that Jesus has something that they don't have. They know Jesus has something that they need. And yet the Pharisees are just complaining about Jesus. And time and time again in the Gospels, if you look through who's complaining, it's normally the Pharisees. They don't think Jesus has anything they need. They can do it all themselves. They can get to heaven by being good. They don't need Jesus. And we'll look at the, the word righteousness later on in the story and how that how that works with the, the Pharisees and the tax collectors. So the Pharisees, again, were complaining about Jesus, and they were saying, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, in this culture, if you ate with someone, that was a big deal. That was like you were really accepting them as a person. And it was almost like a blessing. So Jesus was blessing these ostracized, greedy not very nice people, and the Pharisees didn't like it. And in response to the Pharisees complaining, Jesus told this parable. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? In this culture, if you had a hundred sheep, you were actually pretty wealthy you were doing really quite well in life. So 100 sheep was a lot of sheep, okay? If you were wealthy, you would not be looking after your own sheep. You'd hire a shepherd to do that. Now, tax collectors, rich and ostracized. Shepherds, poor and ostracized. They were the lowest of the low. They weren't very liked. It was unskilled. They were poor. They were kind of shepherds. And yet what Jesus is saying here is he's calling himself a shepherd. And he does this so many times in, in the Bible. In John 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. And I think this alone is such an incredible image of who our God is. He has this wealth. He has this 100 sheep. He is the creator of all that we can see. He has all resources at his hands, and yet he knows his sheep. And we're his sheep. Okay, so for the context of this story, I'll use sheep and humans interchangeably. Don't be offended. Um, but we're his sheep. He knows each one of us, which is a bit ridiculous if you think about it. But it's so an image of our God. He's huge and yet he's absolutely involved in the details of our lives. So, one of these sheep wanders away, and Jesus notices. Now, I've always thought this next bit was a bit reckless. It's like, you've still got 99. 
don't worry about the one. Let it go and protect your 99, because surely they're more important. There's more of them. But Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't place people's importance on who they're with, in what group they're in, in where they are. He places the importance on the fact that they exist. And if one sheep is gone, he's going to go and get that one sheep because that one sheep matters. And actually, if you think about it, going and rescuing the one sheep instills such confidence in the 99. If he didn't mind about the one, the 99 would think, so I only matter because of where I am. If I wondered, he wouldn't mind about me. So by rescuing the one, he is instilling that confidence in the 99 that if they went, he would go and rescue them too. They matter because they're an individual and because they exist, not just because they're in a big group. So he goes searching for this sheep. I grew up in Wiltshire, um, lots of fields, and I've always kind of looked at this as it was quite an easy search. It's also one of the times when the Bible is very brief. He searches until he finds it. Sounds quite easy. I always thought he just walked to the end of the field, looked in the next field, maybe went to the next field. Half an hour, max, found the sheep, come on home. It wasn't like that. So yeah, this is more what I imagine Jesus to look like when he's searching for a sheep. Not a hair out of place. <laughs> Absolutely idyllic. Just a tiny little lamb, oh, just going for a stroll with my lost sheep. Totally fine. But in reality, there were no fields where they were keeping these sheep. It was just open country, and it was hot, and it was dirty, and it was dusty. In this culture, they would have typically searched for two days for a lost sheep before they assumed that it had died or been eaten. But Jesus doesn't say even, I'll search for two days, which I think is quite a long time. Walking over open country, carrying all your food and water, sleeping wherever you were when the sun set. He doesn't say, I'll search for two days and then assume it's a, it's a goner. He says, search until he finds it. He will keep searching. He will keep searching until he finds the lost When Jesus tells this parable, he's already on the, his way to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, he knows that's where he will be ridiculed and he will be crucified and he will rise again. He knows what the search for the lost entails. And actually, he's already done it. So he's not going to be scared of a difficult search. He will keep searching until he finds us. So when he does find the sheep, again... It's not just pick up a little lamb and wander home. The sheep would be dirty and muddy and pretty gross, to be honest. And it says they, you know, they carried their sheep by putting it over their shoulders. That underside of the sheep, I don't want to go near. <laughs> no, no. So Jesus didn't mind. He had found his lost sheep. His lost sheep was what was important. And uh, that's, what, that's what I imagine Jesus looking like, carrying us home. Um, slightly different to the first image. So um, this is Shrek, the sheep. I don't know whether any of you know him. He was famous a few years ago. Um, he is from New Zealand, and he is a merino wool sheep. 
and he evaded his shears for six years. So he was pretty gross. And I think this is quite a good image of Jesus finding us. Um, when they did shear him, his wool weighed over 25 kilos. So, and actually, the sheep underneath that is really small. <laughs> that's, all, that's all wool. But Jesus doesn't mind what we look like. He doesn't mind what state we're in. And the sheep doesn't try and sort himself out before Jesus finds him. He doesn't go, oh gosh, there's Jesus. Um, okay, I've got to wash myself. I've got to like, sort this wool out. He just stops walking in the opposite direction and he lets Jesus pick him up and take him home. And that's all that we need to do. We don't need to sort ourselves out before we let Jesus find us. We can't sort ourselves out. Only Jesus can do that. We just need to stop walking in the opposite direction and let him pick us up and take us home. We have a saying in the vineyard, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. You can turn to Jesus just as you are. But you will change when you're with him. How could you not? Just as they wouldn't let Shrek stay like that, they would shear him, they'd wash him. Jesus doesn't let us stay like we are when he finds us. He would wash us. He would feed us. He would lead us as a good shepherd would. And he does the same. He washes us clean from all the wrongdoing in our life. He feeds us with his word and with his spirit. And he leads us into the most exciting and full life imaginable. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Jesus loves us too much to keep us looking like that. But just going back a little, what does it actually mean to be picked up and carried home by Jesus? Okay, it sounds easy, you're a sheep, you literally get on his shoulders and you go home. But us here now, what does that mean? If you already know Jesus, then it might just be a case of saying sorry and accepting his forgiveness. If, it's, if you haven't made that step yet, if you don't know Jesus yet, if you've never realized that you were lost in the first place, it's kind of the same thing. To say sorry, to accept his forgiveness and accept that he is your Lord and your Savior. And that means acknowledging who he is and giving him control of your life. That's a big move. It's incredible, but it's quite big. And actually, if you don't feel ready for that, that's okay. And even if you have known Jesus and you've wandered away and things have been tough and you just don't know if you can trust him anymore, you don't know if you love him anymore, then I would just encourage you to get to know him. Talk to him. Tell him about your day, about your worries, about your joys. Read his word. This is the best way of getting to know God. Just read the Bible. And see what he says. See what he does. And you may well be on the road to some really, really exciting stuff. So, when the shepherd finds the sheep, there is rejoicing. Heaven rejoices over one sinner who repents. More so than over 99 persons who do not need to repent. Heaven rejoices when the lost are found. So a note here about the righteous. 
over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. I kind of think that Jesus is saying this a little bit tongue-in-cheek, okay? If we think back to who he's speaking to, we've got the Pharisees, the righteous, and the sinners, the tax collectors. The tax collectors know Jesus has something they need. The Pharisees just complain about him. So if I were to be saying this, I'd say the sinners and the self-righteous. The only truly righteous person in this whole scenario was the man speaking, was Jesus. And yet, when a sinner repents, when the tax collectors accept Jesus, they share in his righteousness. They become righteous before God. When we accept Jesus, we become righteous before God. And actually, it's the self-righteous, the Pharisees, who think they don't need God, they stay as the sinners. This is just an image of how the kingdom of God is just upside down. So, I have two questions for you. One, where do you see yourself in the passage? Do you see yourself as the lost sheep who intentionally or unintentionally wandered away from Jesus? Do you see yourself as a Pharisee? I don't need Jesus. I'm fine on my own. I can do it on my own. And just a note on that, the only change that a Pharisee needs to make is just to accept that they need Jesus. And then you're a regular sinner like the rest of us. And what is the key thing you have learned about Jesus in the passage? Second question. So first question, where do you see yourself? Second question, what is the key thing you've learned about Jesus in the passage? For me, it's that Jesus doesn't stop searching until he finds the lost. It could be that he accepts you as you are, or it could be that he'll change you when you're with him, and that that's good. And actually, a third challenge, if you love God, and you are living with him and for him, and you don't actually see where you fit in the story, you definitely were a lost sheep, but you know that you've been found. You know you need God, so you're not a Pharisee. Where do you fit? Can I challenge you that maybe you need to be the shepherd. If we love God, our aims in life should be to glorify him and to become more like him. What an amazing way to do both. Jesus talks of us as his ambassadors on earth. If he's being the shepherd, we should be the shepherds. We should be searching for the lost. We shouldn't be stopping our search for the lost. And that might mean smiling at a tax collector smiling at someone who you really don't like and who no one really likes, eating with them, having lunch with them. It might be there's someone in your life that you know really needs help and you just haven't got around to helping them, get around to helping them. It might be praying for someone and actually stopping them leave the fold in the first place. Can I challenge you to be a shepherd, to keep searching Jesus never stops searching for the lost, and neither should we. So if the band could come back up, that would be wonderful. Thank you.